welcome to the Beware the Moon podcast. My name is Hannah, and I'm going to be talking today about a movie that I heard about literally, like, I think four days ago, maybe five days ago. Uh, it's called The Outwaters. It was directed, written, and starring Robbie Van Fitch. Um, he also does musical storing and sound effects. Um, he's basically... Uh, the like jack of all trades on this movie um it's his movie it's his baby so like it makes sense and they only had a fifteen thousand dollar budget um but oh my gosh he does an amazing job of juggling all this work and then like nailing it um especially for a movie with only a fifteen thousand dollar budget it kicks so much ass I personally really, really enjoyed this one a whole lot. I also, so the way I saw it was I streamed it on Prime, uh, and I was going to just rent it, but I was like, eh, if I like it, I'm going to watch it again. Might as well buy it for two more bucks, and I am so glad that I did, because I immediately was like, I need to rewatch this again the next time I have an hour and a half, um, which was the next day. <laughs> so I've rewatched it like, three times as many days, but, um, I, I was an idiot, and I was reading the time ticker on Amazon Prime wrong, and the movie, like, the total runtime is, like, an hour and 40 minutes or something like that, and about 40 minutes in, I looked at the time to see how much time was left, because I won't lie, the first 30 minutes is pretty boring, but then you start seeing weird things at about 30 minutes in. So once we were 40 minutes in, I moved the time ticker and it said that I had an hour left for the movie, but I thought it meant I was 40 minutes into the movie of an hour-long movie. And I was like, holy shit, how the fuck are they going to resolve all this in 20 minutes? Like, this is not this is not what I signed up for. I thought this was going to be way better than this. And I was so mad. I was like, the movie ends like this. I'm going to be pissed. But it did not. Uh, the movie is actually really phenomenal. It's really great. It's very cosmic horror. So um, cosmic horror is just basically unexplainable happenings in the universe happening to your characters. Um, and that's definitely what this movie is. Um, for a spoiler-free review, I'd say if you ever watched Event Horizon and you heard about the missing footage and you were like, I wonder what that was like. I really wonder what the missing footage was like. Then this movie is for you because it kind of feels like this is what the foot missing footage would look like. Um, which is freaking great. This movie was a trip. And it never tells you what exactly is happening. There's no concrete answers. There's just pain. So don't go into this movie and expect there to be this big epitaph on the wall or something that explains everything or some shaman that comes out of nowhere and explains everything or an alien voice that just explains everything. Nothing gets explained in this movie, which I, I personally am okay with. I like movies like this that have a, a ton of mystery. You can theorize to death about it, um, which gives it rewatch value in my personal opinion. But if you're someone who likes a linear, clear-cut story, uh, this movie is not for you because it's basically the exact opposite of that. And apparently uh, a lot of people don't want nebulous, you know, just kind of movies that go on instinct and feeling and just kind of throw a bunch of stuff at you at once which I I can I can get behind it I dig it you know but apparently uh not everybody can on IMDb this movie's got a 4.3 out of 10 which is really rough um Rotten Tomatoes has a 73% which is fine and then Metacritic has a 74% um I will say after watching this movie that I will literally no never go camping in the desert I've never been camping in the desert. I thought it was a bad idea before I watched this, but now I'm even more like I would never go camping in the desert. Holy shit. Just like, there's so much, there's so much that could go wrong when you're camping in the middle of the desert. Like, I was reading a review or an interview with Robbie Van Fitch, and he's just talking about how there were some weird things happening during filming, and it wasn't like they thought they were going to die. They were in the horror film all of a sudden, but it was just like, it was like normal stuff that seemed really creepy because they were in the middle of nowhere. Like, 
even and just one of the actresses had him get into her tent one night with like an axe or something because she was terrified and I was like yeah because you guys are out in the fucking desert like everything can kill you in the desert like in the forest and shit like you're looking for like bobcats you're looking for bears you're looking for coyotes you're looking for wolves but in the desert it's like this rattlesnake can crawl into your sleeping sack while you're asleep and murder you dead in like five minutes and no one would even fucking know hate that shit would never go camping in the desert but this movie just like nails that in like just it just reiterates that affirms my personal conviction about don't fucking do that <laughs> Um, uh, I will say there are some, some issues with this movie that I think some people will have. Um, this is a found footage movie, so the camera can be a little bit disorienting at times. I think it's worth it. Um, and I think you get some really beautiful shots because it's a found footage movie and because the camera can be disorienting and it's fine, it's allowed. Um, you get some really artsy shots that way. Um, but I will say there's a... There's a clicking element too to like the flashlight on the camera and that gets kind of irritating at times but I mean it's part of the reality. It, I mean when I was thinking the movie was going to end in 20 minutes and I was like nothing is resolved. Things are just now happening. If there's only 20 minutes left of this I have no idea. Like I don't even understand why people said it was so good because this, this has been nothing so far. That At that point I was very annoyed with the camera clicking but... After I realized, oh no, we still got a long way to go, the camera clicking stopped bothering me completely. Um, the flashlight element, so there's, you know, they're out in the desert in the middle of the dark, so it's not like there's a ton of light out there, you know? They're in the middle of fucking nowhere. So they have to have flashlights. Um, and at times, I really wanted to see more. Like, I was like, oh, I really want more of this scene. I really want to know more of what's going on, because it only gives you, you know... A little snippet out of the huge picture um but it doesn't really leave you there at the whole like wanting more which is great like they do eventually give you enough to satisfy you in my opinion um I think the last five minutes of this movie give you they it just feeds you so good like it's it's a great payoff I think um for all of the times that you can't see what's happening when you finally do get to see what's happening it's like Oh my gosh. You're like, holy shit. Um, it's it's really great. And you have to remember that this movie was only done with $15,000. So it's not like they have a huge budget. They're not doing a ton of CGI, which is I think is great. They're doing a lot of practical effects, which is great. The practical effects are really, really good. Um, and they're But they don't have like a big crew. They don't have like a big budget. So you have to keep that in mind. Um, and I think at times when he's running around and you're only seeing a little bit because it's dark, you know, I'm like, this is smart because it's suspenseful, even though I'm like, oh, I really want to see more of what's happening. It's like, okay, they only had $15,000, which I didn't even know, but I, I was like, I assumed that this movie had a lower budget, found footage films usually do. Um, so I was not so annoyed by it. Um, you, you gotta kind of embrace the reality of it. Um, you know, it's a found footage, they're doing the best they can, and I think it works really well. They do a really good job for what they were given. And not even just for what they were given, I think it's just a really solid movie in general. Um, you've got really good characters, they have, like, they don't tell you every single thing about the characters, but you can feel that the actors know the character they're portraying and they do a really good job of it. The characters have really good chemistry together and then when their friction is there, it makes sense that the friction is there. It's not like forced. And some of the dialogue absolutely cracks me up. Like it's so funny too. Um, so if you haven't seen this movie, I suggest you stop. Go stream it on Amazon. Go stream it on, you know, wherever the hell you, you, you can stream it. I, I know there's a couple places you can stream it. I just streamed it on Amazon um, Prime. So if you can, go do it. It's worth the money. It's so worth it. Support these filmmakers because, oh my gosh, I want this guy to get a huge-ass budget one day and just go ham on a movie. I want to see what that looks like because if this is just what he can do with 15000 Holy shit, I want to see what Robbie Van Fitch can do with like a million dollar budget. It would be fucking awesome. 
But pause, go do that. I strongly urge you. Have you done that? Did you watch it? Great, let's talk about it. So the movie starts off with this 911 call, and it is muy mysterious. You know, the voices are kind of overlapping. There's a ton of screaming. And you can hear, like, the 911 operators obviously trying to get answers from whoever called 911. But instead, they're screaming, there's yelling. You can hear someone asking on the other line, you know, what is going on? And just tons of screaming. And then we get that this is police evidence. You know, these characters, it shows all four of them. They've been missing since August 8th, 2017. And I will say I immediately, something like clicked in my brain and I was like, I think I think that was the the year of the eclipse. And then I, I Googled it. And yeah, uh, that was the same year. It's the same month, but it was August 21st of 2017 when the eclipse happened. So I was like, okay, so maybe it doesn't so much have to do with the solar eclipse or maybe it's just because it's such a close time frame it doesn't matter you know I, I remember um once I went once I found out the storyline of this movie which is that these characters are going out to the desert to film a music video I remember that Walk the Moon did that during the solar eclipse they went out to the desert and they filmed uh One Foot uh, a music video for that and they had to use special solar lenses in order to film safely and yada 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 and so I was like, oh, I wonder if this, you know, phenomena they experience has something to do with the solar eclipse. I still don't really know, but that was a thought. And then I also just Googled 8 slash 8 slash 17, and what came up was a verse in Romans, and it's about not being of the flesh, but of the spirit and how things work differently. So I thought that was interesting. I might have absolutely no connection. I just thought it was interesting. Um, I think the solar eclipse is closer to home though than that um so once the 911 call ends uh we're taken to an apartment and it's scott and robbie um uh, robbie's giving scott presents and he gives him a backpack with a bandana on it and a book for writing short stories in he says the bandana belonged to their dad and you don't ever really know what happened to dad you just get the sense that he's dead you know, um, it's not just that he's out of the picture. I think he's definitely dead. Um, and they don't really talk about it. And I think that's because of Scott. Scott seems to be the one to want to avoid the topic of their parents. Um, so they celebrate Scott's birthday and then there's an earthquake. Um, and the earthquake is not huge. This one's kind of like a little tremor, but, um, you kind of get the sense that he's over in California somewhere because these tend to happen there. Um, and I think the earthquakes really just set a precedence for like unexpected nature happening, like unexpected natural phenomena. Cause that's kind of what earthquakes are. A lot of times you, you don't know when they're going to happen. They just kind of strike and sometimes they're big and sometimes they're small. And so I think it's just kind of, uh, thematically in line with how this movie goes. Um, so then we cut again, and this movie does a lot of cutting two different things. So there's not like a ton of transitions. There's no like fades or anything like that. You're just one thing to the next to the next. And sometimes it gets pretty chaotic, so it's hard to keep up. Um, but then we cut to, there's this girl and she's singing about her little horses, your little horses. Um, she is a friend of Robbie's and she's the one we're filming the music video for. And we're filming this song uh, and she reveals later she wants it to be a lullaby and it's kind of like an ode to her mom, her dead mom. Uh, and it's about waking up and then you can have all the little horses or something. It's very strange and it's very, um, it's very disconcerting, I will say. She has a magnificent voice, but... Um, lullabies just freak me out so <laughs> I mean it could be like the nicest most well-meaning lullaby it still freaked me out I don't like it and I think Robbie Van Fitch knows that chose a lullaby for a reason stop it Robbie you're too good at this so then Michelle's talking to Robbie and another guy who's there and she's like hey they say that every drug you've ever taken a little bit of that drug remains in your spine so then if you have like a major spine injury you start having like you know, a relapse with that drug or whatever, you know, like if you take a 
took a ton of LSD. If you get a spine injury, you might have a bad acid trip all of a sudden. And they're like, that's bullshit, blah, blah, blah. Um, then they talk about the music video shoot, which, boom, that's the plot. Um, going out to the desert for the music video shoot. Michelle explains a little bit about her mom. She doesn't tell you when her mom died or how her mom died, but you kind of get the sense that she and her mom are close and that the death was probably pretty recent. Um, I mean, she cries about it pretty frequently, so I don't think it happened when she was like eight or something. It seems like possibly within the last year or something like that, you know, or maybe two or three years, um, which I can understand. I probably, it would take me a good probably five, ten years to not cry when talking about my mom if she died. Luckily, I have not experienced that, and I hope not to anytime soon. Had to cut that because after I knocked, my dogs thought someone was at the door, so they started yelling. <sighs> Y'all are so clueless. Anyhow, um, Michelle kind of is, like, talking about how, you know, She's like, clearly her mom was a singer too, so I think that's inspiring her choices a little bit. Um, and Robbie even mentions at some point, you know, you sound just like your mom. Um, and she takes that as like a big compliment. And she gets really emotional about music stuff because it reminds her of her mom. So that's just kind of some background character information on Michelle. Then we cut to an airplane and Robbie, it's Robbie in this airplane and he's visiting his mom. Um, and there's two extra people there. I think the one is their friend, Angie, who is part of this movie. And then there's a man in the background. Um, and I suspect that in real life, it's Robbie Banfidge's stepdad. And I suspect that in the movie, it's also supposed to be his stepdad. Um, and that could possibly explain a little bit why uh, Scott doesn't really talk to their mom. Um, I think he's kind of bitter about her moving on or her getting remarried or whatever. Um, but Robbie's there to celebrate his mom's birthday with him. Um, and we do see that he is definitely with Angie. Um, and it seems like they're in New Jersey. That's not confirmed by anything. It's just something that I suspect because Robbie's from New Jersey, uh, in real life. And then Angie also is from New Jersey and then also, on top of all that, um, Angie says that she's never really been to see the desert and the mountains and stuff like that. So I suspect they're still in Jersey for this because Angie's the one who seems to be picking him up from the airport and taking him to the airport. So then they celebrate his mom's birthday. Happy birthday to mom. Then Robbie flies home. And... While he's at his mom's house, he's, you know, fiddling with the chandelier and just taking some cool shots with it. And I th he's looking at how the light refracts in this chandelier. And it's not important in the moment, but it kind of comes back later on. Um, so Robbie's home and he FaceTimes or Zooms Angie or what have you. Uh, she's like, yeah, I'm managing my paperwork. <laughs> she's like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm... I work being manager, doing manager stuff, doing paperwork, managing my paperwork. Um, and the reason that she's in this movie, despite being in New Jersey, is she's doing makeup and hair for the video. So she's going to fly out and go out into the desert with them and do Michelle's makeup and hair. Uh, she's like, I've never been to the desert, as I mentioned before. And she's like super excited about it, talking about how she wants to take a rock home and... <laughs> Robbie's like it's basically like New Jersey and she's like no it's <laughs> like that would be disappointing to hear in general I feel like you're excited for this thing and it's like nah it's basically like New Jersey <laughs> but then on top of that she's from New Jersey so he's like it's nothing special and you're like what the fuck man <laughs> then we get some shots of Scott smoking a cigar um, and this is kind of when we get the sense that like talking about mom and dad is a no-go for Scott because um, Robbie even is like, hey, I had a dream about dad. You look like dad. And then he's like, oh, you're just going to ignore me. Okay. And you're like, okay. So that's a touchy subject for Scott. Um, and as they're like doing their thing, Scott's like walking away from Robbie and Robbie's like, oh, by the way, you're driving us to the desert. <laughs> just like, you know, <laughs> that's what your plans are for this weekend, my dude. Sorry, forgot to tell you. So then, um, Rochelle and 
Michelle and Robbie get back together. They're doing shots. It's just some more character information, some more setting up the situation. You get to see um, how Robbie really has like a good relationship with all of these characters. Like he he's the one that's connecting the four of them, I think. Um, and he has like a good rapport with each of them. He's got a good understanding of each of them. He seems to be the most compassionate towards Michelle. And I think it's because they've both had a loss of parent and they're both willing to open up and talk about it with each other. Um, whereas, you know, Scott shuts off and then Angie doesn't seem to be... Angie, I mean, like, they even say that Angie's kind of a diva. Like, it, it, you know, at the time, they're not... She's not saying it seriously, but... Robbie is. But, um... Like I said, Robbie and Michelle, they've got a really good rapport. They seem to be very compassionate and empathetic towards one another. Um, and that's just kind of, I think, what all this character setup does. And then, of course, this kind of comes back. Some of this stuff comes back later in the movie when you least expect it. Um, so then we cut to Earthquake 2, Big Breakaloo, uh, where there's a bigger earthquake. Some stuff's breaking in Robbie's apartment. His mom calls... That weird sound in the background is my dog itching herself. I cannot do anything without my dogs because they will freak out. But then sometimes when I do things with my dogs, they still make a lot of noise. So apologize for that. But um, Robbie's mom calls him and they talk. She's sick. He's like, I got to go anyway because I got something going on. There's actually, it's a big ominous storm happening. So he says, love you, bye. Um, then Angie shows up. Um, she's fl finally flown in. They're talking, you know, just shooting the shit kind of a thing. And Robbie's like, how's marriage? And she goes, it's great. You know, someone legally has to hang out with me all the time. <laughs> and then, like, I just love that their rapport sometimes it cracks me up. And apparently this movie was very unscripted. So they're kind of just, like, bouncing off of each other, doing a lot of improv, which I love. I think it's great. And it flows really well. And I think that's because they're friends off screen and all of these people. But... Um, it just works really well for the movie. Then we get like we get like a goofy hangout time. We see some of the equipment they're going to use and the flashlights. Um, and then the next day, everyone arrives. We begin our drive out to the desert. We get some ominous sound design going on, which is fantastic. We stop and we touch rocks and we pose with our friends and we pose with the landscape. And then Scott takes the camera for like two seconds and he's like, does it do stuff? And you're like, of course it does stuff. It's a camera, bro. He's like, how do I zoom? It's so funny. He's like a caveman taking the fucking camera for the first time. It's awesome. Uh, we go into an old mine shaft, um, which is just... I feel like it very much uh, ties into some of the stuff that happens later, even though you can't see it right now and you don't think it will. You're like, what the fuck are we doing in this mine shaft? Um, that was my thought the first time around, and even the second time around, and then finally the third time around, I was like, oh, I get it, I get it. Um, we get some beautiful inverted shots of the sky, and then non-inverted shots of the sky with some choir music stuff going on, and then we're at a lake. Um, we play in the lake, we have fun, um, and Robbie notably says, I don't want to leave. And he says it twice. He says it once before everyone gets out to the lake and starts swimming with him. And then he says it a second time before we leave the lake. But the way he says it the second time is different. And I don't really know how to describe the tone of it, but it's more serious and it's more determined, um, which kind of is off-putting. Then we get uh, lots of shots of small beams of light. And honestly, that I mean that for the whole movie. Like in this particular instance, Robbie is filming the sun playing off the water. And it's like this perfect tiny little ball on the water just bouncing around. But we get tons of shots of light just bouncing around, being a little ball, doing its own thing. Uh, and then we get card two. So the Mojave Police Department, you know, had three different memory cards from Robbie's camera and they're stitching them together to make the evidence packet. And this is card two. We get some desert goofing. People are posing sexy with signs and just running around being weird. Uh, and then we see some weird asses out there. Literally weird asses. There's like 
five or six like random wild donkeys which the concept of just kind of blows my mind and I don't know why <laughs> like I don't know I guess just because I think that like in America we conquered everything and all that and we kind of like oppressed the land blah 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 so the fact that there are still wild donkeys is like kind of amazing to me but then I think and I'm like, well, there are still like wild dogs out there. Like it's not really that different of a concept. And dogs are way more domesticated than donkeys. But I don't know. It's just a weird concept for me. Maybe it's because I'm from Florida and I don't really have experience with desert stuff. Who knows? But um, these donkeys are really weird and they're a reoccurring theme in the movie. And I was reading an interview with Robbie and he was like, yeah, we were driving by them and Scott was like, let's get out and take some video of these donkeys. And he was like, I don't want to. Like, he was just in a grumpy mood, didn't want to. And Scott's like, get the fuck out there and, like, take some video. And he's so glad that he, he did and that Scott made him do that because these donkeys are really, like, they're really ominous in this movie. And I kind of dig it. Really digging it. I've never considered donkeys as, like, important for Doom, but they really are in this movie. So then once we are done with the donkeys, we're walking into the desert and the girls have parasols over their heads. And this is the only time you see them using the parasols is when they're walking into the desert this first time, which is muy importante way later on. So put that in your noggin. So then we get a campsite sing-along and fucking hell, everyone in this movie can sing. It pisses me off so bad. As someone who does not have a great voice, it pisses me off. Everybody can just fucking sing. Ugh, these people are infuriating. Like, they're sitting there singing. We already knew Michelle could sing, but then Scott starts singing on, and you're like, God damn it, Scott. You and your stupid sexy face and your stupid sexy singing. It's fucking annoying. Everyone, well, I say everyone can sing. Robbie never sings. So maybe Robbie can't sing. Robbie's a true bro on this one. He's with me. He's not singing. Good job, Robbie. Makes me feel a little bit better about myself. So then Robbie's like, I'm gonna go check out the lake bed, which is literally just fucking dust. And it kind of pisses me off that it's allowed to be called a lake bed, even though it's just fucking dust. And I'm like, very confused. Uh, I'm very confused. Like I said, I'm from Florida. I'm a swamp kid. So, like, if you call something a lake, I expect there to be water there. If it's a lake bed, there's gotta be water. There's no fucking water here. And I'm like, is it a seasonal thing? Or did it dry up and they still just call it the lake bed? I have no idea. But it's fucking dust. And as Robbie's there, like, playing with the sand and finding skulls and shit, he, like, looks out and there's someone walking across our like vision line and this person is very red that's all you can really tell is they're very red so this was kind of the point where my brain was like "Ooh, things are picking up things are getting interesting the first watch around so then we're doing um music video prep stuff just kind of going over the hair and the makeup and the outfit the wardrobe choice um, and Michelle gets all emotional, then Robbie gets a shot of this axe sticking out of the ground, and he goes, awesome. No, Robbie, that's not fucking awesome. That's the exact opposite of awesome, Robbie. When you're in the middle of the desert and there's an axe sticking out of the ground, that's when you know you're gonna fucking die, Robbie. That is not awesome. Get your head together. Get your shit together, Robbie. Then the sun is starting to set, and as it sets, Robbie's getting just desert sound, um, which basically is just like noise. I don't particularly know why he's getting desert sound for the music video. Maybe it's for the opening or the closing or whatever, but he's literally all he's doing is just recording the sounds of the desert. Desert sound. It's literally what what it is. Um, you can hear like coyotes and you know all kinds of shit. Um, then Scott shares some of what he was writing with Robbie and uh, very apocalyptic, bud. I'm not, I'm not sure why you're in the middle of the desert thinking about doom. That's kind of terrifying, but you do you, boo-boo. Then it's night, and there's strange sounds outside of the tent, and they hear booming stuff, like, just, just booming, um, and so Scott is, like, gonna check it out. Robbie goes with him. The girls are out of their tent. They're all, like, what the hell's going on? Is this lightning? And they don't see lightning, so, but, like, there's big booms, so they're like, we have to assume it's thunder. Um, they see, like, this little locust thing, and someone says something about an animal burrow, uh, which I find interesting. That comes back later, probably. Uh, Angie is freaking out um, about the booming. 
And to be fair, I side with Rami on this one, uh, just because I'm like, I'm a Floridian. I've been through a ton of storms. Like, if you're hearing booming, it's got to be thunder. Like, I wouldn't assume mystical bullshit was happening. He says to her, it's atmospheric stuff. It's awesome. She goes, oh, is it awesome? What are you, a fucking astronaut? (laughs) And I was like, I don't think that word means what you think it means, Angie. (laughs) But it's a great response, and I love it. And the fact that it's improv kills me and I guess uh Angie and Rob did a ton of YouTube shorts that were uh, more comedy style YouTube shorts so they they've got a lot of like really good comedy improv rapport I I feel like just built up and I love it so then after this Robbie goes off alone to check things out he sees some ants crawling gets some weird film of that and then we see this ball of light And it just disappears. And then we're at the next day. And Robbie says, and I quote, the air feels like shimmery. I feel like that is a very bad sign. And just freaking out because of the noises. And then she talks about how like this morning they woke up and Michelle was crying because she had a dream about her dead mom. So that's really freaking our world out. Uh, And the donkeys are back for some reason. As Robbie's walking around, he goes to Scott and asks Scott to calm Ange down. And Scott is literally just, like, sitting in the desert with his shirt off reading. And I'm like, Scott's just here to vibe. Like, he's just, like, this is when I realized, like, Scott isn't here for shit. Like, he's just here to vibe in the desert. And you know what? I support that, Scott. You just be along for the ride. You're just, like, an emotional rock for everybody. I dig it, man. Thanks for being here. Um, then Robbie explains the ball of light to Michelle And he's like, I think it was ball lightning, which is real and it can happen. It's very rare. Um, Instead of lightning striking, it forms a ball and it kind of becomes this static electric moving ball. um, And then it just dissipates. Um, And he's basically like, yeah, I saw it and then it dissipated. So it must have been ball lightning is what he assumes, which would be fucking awesome if you witnessed. Um, I would probably assume we, I was dying at first, but then I'd be like, oh wait, ball lightning, science exists. <laughs> I'm not in 1800 anymore. <laughs> I don't believe that shit. Anyway, they find a hole in the rocks and they decide to stick a microphone in it. And I don't know if the earth is supposed to make those sorts of noises. The earth is making a lot of noises. They're very strange noises. I don't think I like that. I don't think I've ever heard this anything, let alone the earth, make that noise. And it stops for a second, and then it picks back up again. And then we see Michelle, like, goes over, and she listens to the rock. She touches the rock. Good rock. We love rock. Um, she, they say they, they, it feels like there's currents under the rock. And that's, Robbie's like, I kind of like it. It's kind of cool. Um, then we see they find a big bullet shell, and it's fucking huge. And then we also find a rattlesnake. Which is great. That's like my biggest fear out in the middle of the desert is fucking rattlesnakes. I don't understand. Again, this is just me backtracking, but I don't understand why you'd go camping out in the middle of nowhere in the desert where there are dangerous animals and not bring like at least one gun. Like even just a twenty-two to take care of like rattlesnakes. Because what the fuck? What the fuck? Anyway, they're walking and Michelle's talking about those noises. She's like, I definitely think it was thunder. Probably echoing off the canyon like there's nothing else it could be, which I agree. If you're trying to be a reasonable human being, thinking logically, that's what you would assume. And then Michelle says she thinks the earth vibrates, um, which she she's like thinks that explains the sound in that rock they were uh, recording. And then Robbie says the camera battery isn't running down. And then Michelle starts talking about her dream of her mom. And she said her mom was, like, coming towards her with her arms open. But her mom's arms were like a storm. Um, and that freaked her out, I guess. It's not a pleasant thing to think about, honestly. Robbie says he had weird dreams, too. Which, uh, for those of you who are new to uh, red flags and signs of danger, that is one of them. If you are camping in the desert and you hear loud booming sounds with no discernible source and you are all having bad dreams, probably get the fuck out. Okay? Just just a just a little little helpful hint there. Life pro life tip. Uh Robbie and Michelle are at the lake bed. Um and they're doing like music video stuff. Uh and the sound gets kind of weird, so Robbie turns it off and then they get 
footage of Michelle walking away, um, which is really artsy, um, and it's really cool, but it comes back later, so I want you to put that shot in your head, download that into your brain, and then we get a lot of fun artsy shots, and we get some weird sound going on over it. And I don't know if it's supposed to be like this sound is happening in this moment or it's not and it's sound editing like in post-production. You know, like how movies just edit in, you know, fucking songs or whatever. I'm not sure what it's the intent is, but I do like it and I think it's a really good mood setter. All of the sound design choices, honestly, are amazing mood setters or they're just amazing sound effects, um, which I will get to more later but um as this ominous noise is happening over the video we see a tiny light off in the distance and then we cut to card three and card three is of course the third and final act in where everything gets batshit so card three starts starts off with uh, more desert sound and then we get some more lightning sounds at bedtime and scott and robbie decide to leave the tent to investigate uh, we see a tiny spotlight via Robbie's camera flashlight as they're exploring and doing things. And this is this is the part that was like, I wish I could see more because it's just this tiny light. And again, this is a found footage film, so it can't be, be like it can't be like, you know, huge big production lights. You you gotta have this tiny spotlight because that's what makes the most physical sense at the time. Um, so Robbie's camera light is the main point of focus uh, for the night shots from here on out. So as he's walking around, we see someone with an axe and you can hear that they're dripping. And Robbie says, who is that? And he says it twice. He says, who is that? And then you hear this running sound and then this chopping cutting sound and then the tent, this tent rippling with light effects. It's really actually kind of cool. I don't really know how they did the effect. To me, it just kind of seems like a um, <clears throat> like a tent lip and a light like shining through it. But it's cool. I like it. Um, so then Robbie gets back to the tents and he says, My head is raining. <laughs> I was like, fuck, man. I can't believe that's a line. He's clearly in shock. He's been hit in the head. He's bleeding from the head. My head is raining. Oh my god. That's the first time I heard that line. I was like, no. It's so good. He says the sky opened up too. Um, and Scott is sleeping and Robbie's like, are you asleep? And he's, his bloody finger draws like a line on Scott's back. And then we cut to cutting sounds, some running, some screaming, someone's yelling for their mommy. It's one of the girls. Um, I read in an interview just a few minutes ago that it's actually Michelle saying that, which makes a lot of sense. But uh, all the yelling kind of gets cut off with cutting sounds and pain screams. Um, and, and then it kicks back in. There's begging for their life. And then Robbie's running and hiding. Shots of blood on the ground. And there is so much intermittent screaming. Like, It'll start up and they'll be screaming and screaming and then there's cutting sounds or killing sounds and then they'll stop. And then they'll start screaming again and then they'll stop. And so you're kind of like, what the hell is going on? Like, are they being killed over and over and over again? And the answer is yes, but we'll get to that. So Robbie sees someone, a man, hacking up one of his people and then he runs into Angie. Um, there's booming sound and then they're talking and their talking is distorted. Um, it gets kind of like garbled and drawn out and just kind of like scratchy. It's really, really cool. Really terrifying. Uh, and Angie won't stop yelling and asking what is going on. And she then Robbie's like trying to shush her, trying to shush her. She's not being shushed. She keeps freaking out. She keeps re-seeing the blood and then screaming again. And she begs Robbie not to leave her, but he does. And honestly, I can't blame him. If we're in a situation where our lives are in danger and you're just fucking screaming to scream, get the fuck out of here. I'm not sticking around with you. I'm so sorry, but I'm not sorry. Bye. <laughs> That's just like, like, come on, man. You're being ridiculous. And some people, I mean, mentally, they can't handle that kind of situation. But if that's you, sorry, I'm not sticking around. I gotta go because I'm going to handle this situation. I'm trying to live, you know? 
so the next day we see Robbie had hi hidden himself in a crevice and his head is bloody. Um, Robbie is clearly in some hella shock. Like, since he got hit on the head, he's just in shock the rest of this movie. Um, then he sees these things and they kind of look like intestines or like parasites and they're screaming. Um, and they run by him. Uh, he finds a heart ripped out of a body and then he finds another parasite that screams when he reaches out to it. Um, which I find really interesting. And then he finds a bloody flashlight and he picks it up and then this guy booms and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and puts it back down, which is really strange. So then we cut to night. We see that the tents are bloody. We see like Robbie's checking out the girl's tent and then we see the side, uh, like kind of like some of Michelle's hair and it's bloody. So we kind of assume her body is there. There is something in the dark that makes noises um, then we get sunrise slash sunset. I think it's, I can't remember, I don't really know which one it is. Because time is really fucked up after this point. So Robbie calls his mom and says goodbye and that he loves her and he gets naked and starts, he does like a little loop, which is weird, up this hill and back down. And he says, I found it. And I don't really know what he's talking about. Um, then we get this shot of he's looking down at his feet and one of those screaming intestine things, uh, bolts between his feet and then we cut to night and Robbie is talking to himself and he's like, who am I? Who am I? I'm Robbie. I'm Robbie. And then he just screams for someone to help him over and over again. We get another shot of the axe man again. Uh, we see Robbie's bloody face. Um, the axe man is like close to him at some point and he says go away to the axe man and it seems to work the axe man leaves him alone and you can see that he's like he keeps doing things that he's done before like he's touching this one specific plant we saw earlier in the movie he's messing with the dirt like he did um at the lake and it's just it's just really interesting and it turns out like it, it feels very meaningful um and i think it is I think it is which I'll get to at the end of everything so then we see the tunnel of light and then there's blood and then there's water and then he gets spat out or merges or something and then we see uh, <laughs> my brain at some point is like tent vagina that's what my brain thinks of it as which is not at all doing it justice but like I said it looks like a tent flap and a light peeking through and the flaps kind of open so it kind of looks like a tent vagina in my head um and it's he gets spat out of this thing and then he spits up blood and then he's back in the desert at daytime so he's being like taken out of whatever moment he's in and then just thrown up into different moments which is very strange um, and he has to peel this weird bloody film off of himself. Um, and it's really a really cool gross effect. Like it's sticking to his hands. It's like big chunks of like, like just film. Like it reminds me of um, Afterbirth or something like that, which sounds really, it's really disgusting. But uh, I mean, it's, he's covered in blood all the time and this is a horror movie. You get used to it, you know? Um, but that kind of is what it reminds me of is that like film lining the womb sort of stuff. Um, and he's getting that off of him and then he's like, can you see that? And then there's a boom and then the intestines run screaming and so does Robbie. And then the donkeys are back, uh, but they're still not in a talking mood. Um, they're just being judgmental. And then we get this shot of this weird tree and this tree has like very thick trunk, very thick limbs, and they kind of split off at weird places and go in weird angles. And it's kind of like a spiky looking tree. And it's very twisted looking tree. And like I said, it just kind of splits in weird places. And I dig it and I, I feel like it's a good visual metaphor. Um, so then we see Robbie and Robbie sees him and his friends entering the desert. And we know that because the girls have the parasols. And he calls out to Scott and then Michelle and then Angie, but they don't really hear him or see him except the one person in the back. And it's either himself or it's Scott that's in the back. Kind of hears something and looks around but doesn't see anything. And that kind of catches my attention. Makes me wonder. I don't know. It just makes me wonder. Then 
he finds these weird holes in the dirt in the lake bed, kind of like someone had been like punching a trench into the ground, which is really weird. He finds a bloody Michelle lying down at the lake bed. And then uh, he, he goes over to her because he's like desperate to talk to someone. And she gets up and runs from him. And he desperately chases after her. Like, I, you just feel so bad for Robbie. You're like, this poor little dude. Like, he didn't really do anything to deserve this. <laughs> like, it's not like he was a total asshole. It's not like he's out there murdering people. Like, there's just no reason for this to be happening to him. It's so sad. He's, like, desperately chasing her, begging her to come back. And then at some point, she falls down and he catches up to her. And she doesn't really seem to be conscious but then, like, the moment she wakes up, she runs away from him again. And then we get the reverse of the music video sequence as he's chasing her down and she's got blood on her and she's running away from him genuinely. Um, so it just it's like the exact opposite mood and the exact opposite effect of the music video sequences that they were filming before. And then we get these the donkey scream in a very strange, horrid way. And then we see three long shadows at the lake bed now. And those are important for later. Then we cut to night. We get screaming from the girls. And Robbie asks the parasites again, did you see it? Uh, we get light flickering on his bloody hand. He comes through the tent vagina again. Robbie spat out at night again. We hear Michelle singing her lullaby. And then Robbie says, I'm coming. And then he gets into the bloody green tent with a bloody sleeping Scott. And Scott gets up and is investigating the noise again. Except this time, Robbie begs him not to go. Before, he was like, why don't you go out there? And he's like, why don't you go out there? And now Robbie's like, don't go. And Scott uh, leaves. But Robbie can still hear him ask, like, really close, do you not hear anything? Then the tap tent flaps like crazy and Robbie is suddenly with Angie and Angie says I don't want to be here anymore and like yeah she could be referring to like being in the desert but I think she's referring specifically to this like weird time flux that they have like this time loop that they have accidentally dropped themselves into uh, and then Robbie starts reciting prayers at this point to kind of comfort himself and then Angie asks if he hears anything and we as the audience can hear a woman sobbing. And outside the tent, it's no longer the desert. Robbie's at his mom's home and she's sobbing for him. Uh, Robbie's still reciting the prayers. And then we see the chandelier he was playing with earlier, which is how we definitely know that he's in his mom's house. And as he's going through, it's, his, it's completely dark in his mom's house. And his light is still the only source of light, his camera light. So he shines it on his mom. He sees his mom's covered in blood. And she says she's glad he's home, she missed him, and then she disappears. And he's looking at himself in the mirror, and he kind of, like, confesses, it sounds like. He says, Mom, I can't find Scott. And then Robbie's back on the airplane. And it seems that Scott is on the outside of this airplane. And there's, like, blood either on the window pane itself or all over Robbie or all over Scott. And he's looking at Scott, and Robbie says, I'm sorry I love you. And then the image kind of shoots away from him. Like we move backwards really fast away from the image of Scott in the airplane. And that's kind of like the last like real concrete react like interaction Robbie has with Scott. Um, then there's the silhouette of this unknown woman. And she says, come back. Where's my baby? And I feel like specifically it's not like it sounds like maybe it's it would be Robbie's mom but I don't think so I think this is Michelle's mom for whatever reason um then Robbie flashes through some shit we see the lady on the lake bed floor and she says fia do uh, I had the subtitles on and it literally quotes f-e-e a do so I googled that typed it in several different ways because some Different languages pronounce things differently and they spell things differently than we do in English. And the only thing that I really came up with is that in Portuguese and in Brazil, if you call someone viadu, uh, it's basically calling someone a queer. Um, and I, again, I'm not Brazilian, so I don't really know if it's like extremely derogatory or if it's more like playful because it says you can 
call, you know, friend that or whatever, then the explanation, the one explanation I read, and then in another one, it made it seem more slur-like and angry. So I don't know. Uh, and I haven't seen Card Zero, which I'll talk about Card Zero towards the end. I haven't seen it, but it explains that Robbie uh, was dating a man previously, so he's gay. Um, and so that kind of caught my attention. Um, and then the woman says to him, we're alive. And then a man also whispers, it's all around us. The flashing light turns out to be a flashlight and Robbie picks it up and turns it off. Then Robbie turns his light on and there's a patch of blood. We see him turn his light, uh, over to a naked man covered in blood carrying an axe. Then there's some screaming and Robbie is looking at his bloody hand. Then we cut to some bug-looking creature that's chuffing and then it wails. And luckily the subtitles told me there was another one calling back to it. So there's multiple creatures out here in the desert of whatever the fuck these things are. And these things, like, just judging from, like, the camera stuff that happened, it, it looks like they have, like, a shitload of body going on. Like, they just have a ton of legs. We never get a great look at them. But they're definitely armored, and they definitely have teeth, and it's definitely a munching and crunching on some flesh and bones. Those are like the only things we know about these things, for sure. Uh, Robbie, run Ro Robbie. Robbie runs off to find uh, the girl's bloody tent, and he goes in there, and Andy's in there, and Robbie tells her to be quiet. Uh, then there's a ton of like clanking and slashing sounds and lots of screaming, including Angie. Like, There's a lot of focused scream shots on An Angie and then there's these little whippy tentacle things that come in and grab him and hold him and I was like are those the things that were screaming at him before but I don't think so because like I said those screaming things look like parasites or intestines and these little whippy things look more like uh, like really long tongues uh, then there's more thunder then we cut to a naked bloody Angie rubbing her bloody boobs um which is not sexy, it's kind of terrifying and weird and scary. Then there's flashing light again, and Robbie seems to be floating, or he's being carried. Uh, it's one of the two. He's, like, moving, but his feet aren't touching the ground, and they're not moving. The feet are not moving. His flashlight then catches the axe, and we hear a clock ticking, and we hear flies buzzing, and then a voice says, Show them. And then we flash cut to just like a bunch of shit happening and by that I mean uh we've got ocean waves and screaming and we see a bloody naked man getting taken by a wave and then we're surrounded by red water and the tent vagina thing happens again which I think is just the sky opening up um and then there's like this light vortex and I love this light vortex um it's these, it's just like these lights that kind of like remind me of that tree and they're not like strung together in any solid specific way, but you can tell they're connected somehow and you kind of like zoom through them and zoom back out of them and zoom around them and it'll focus, the camera will focus on like one piece of the light and then it'll move and it's just, this, it's this really strange effect. It kind of feels like zooming through space, I guess you could say, where like all the stars are out there but they're not connected but they're in some kind of pattern. Um, we go to different light specs, we get swirled around and when it stops and everything goes quiet, Robbie gets spat out again. And his foot gets cut on something and he, he moves the dirt out of the way to see what it is. And it's a sign that says restricted area. And then he finds an old school gas mask, like kind of like one from the 40s. So I don't know if this is supposedly like a nuclear testing site or if this was like a project paperclip kind of thing. Who knows? But he walks a bit and he finds himself covered in blood, cowering in the dirt with an axe. And it's not like him, it's a doppelganger so there's like two Robbies so it's not he himself is suddenly sitting there it's a different Robbie and he says hi uh really like nervously and he's like hi hi and he's like hi I'm me and the other Robbie isn't so friendly he's not as excited to make new friends and he takes like a half-assed swing at Robbie with the axe um, and then you can hear the creature roaring and then Robbie shot through time again and he's running and then we see three bloody poles on the lake bed. 
And these are the three shadows from before. Um, there's heads atop of these poles. And these heads look fucking great. They are absolutely incredible. They're clearly Robbie's three companions. Um, and we get lots of cool shots of them. Uh, we get, you know, shots from the side, shots from this angle, shots from that angle, close up, far away. Um, my favorite by far is Michelle's head. Um, she's got some gnarly thing going on with her eye that I absolutely love. It's disgusting and horrible, and I love it. And we're in the last stretch here, so you know we're getting to uh, batshit land over here. Um, he, Robbie is like, he's there for a long time looking at the heads. Um, and he says goodbye to specifically Michelle. And he walks away, and as he's walking away, he sees something on the ground, and it's like a shark tooth. And so he picks it up really excitedly, and he's examining it, sees that it's sharp, and he just starts, like, cutting at his legs with it. And the sound design for this part is absolutely phenomenal, because it sounds absolutely wretched. Like, his skin is, like, you can hear it, it's, like, gross, flabby, cut, it's so disgusting. And he moves from up his legs to... His nether regions and then the next shot you see this lump of meat hit the ground and Robbie's like stabbing at it like in shock you can tell and uh he's like stabbing at it making sure it's dead and it's his penis it's his fucking dick it is nuts I was so shocked by that because I was like men never do that like like they never show penis in films and they never show men's penises like getting cut off in films and especially since Robin Van Fitch is like a male filmmaker I you know like I did not expect that at all so kudos to Robin Van Fitch because that was totally out of left field for me like just completely like did not anticipate that um and it looks like it looks great like the all the effects in this movie like I said look great they're disgusting um so then he's cutting himself again and then you see he he has the camera on his stomach and he just starts cutting and he guts himself with the tooth and then he's walking with the camera in one hand and his entrails in the other hand and at some point he like stumbles and gurgles and the gurgling is so gross and nasty and I love it and he drops the camera and he decides to leave it in favor of carrying his guts with his other hand. And the last shot of this movie is of him stumbling toward the desert with his hand raised up toward the sky. And that's it. And then we cut to some really haunting music and credits and some cool stills of uh, stuff Robbie was like, oh, I'll make this into pictures later. We'll film it, but I'll, you know, cut it and make it pictures. And that's how the movie ends. You know, the, the title card comes back up and you're like, what the fuck just happened? Uh, aside from enjoying a kick-ass homegrown horror movie, of course, um, there's like multiple nebulous theories as well as uh, two shorts that I have yet to see. Um, so Card Zero is about before this whole incident happened. It's about Robbie's life, um, his dating antics. And then File VL-624 is about um, some restored footage from the desert. Um, seeing them, I changed some of my theory, but I'm sure of a few things. So if you're like, what the hell happened? We know, number one, we're in a time loop. The 911 call at the beginning confirms that. You can hear Robbie in the background saying, this has already happened. He, he's trying to calm everybody down by saying, we've already done that. Like, it's this is already set in stone. Like, we don't have to be, you know, it's He's kind of like, it's fine, but it's not fine because he's murdering his friends with an axe in the middle of the desert, so it's not fine. But he's trying to convince them that it is. And then you can hear tons of screaming overlapped. And it's not different people screaming. It's the same, you know, it's the same girls screaming over and over again. And it's just that these, every time it's happened, it's like stacking up in this phone call, which is fucking awesome. Like, the second you watch this movie, there's instant replay value. Like, there's instant rewatch value. Like, it's an, it's awesome. Um, and it explains, like I said, all the overlapping screams. But it also explains all of the blood in the movie. Because my theory is that um, they don't just die. When they die, they come back and they're covered with the blood from last time. So they're, they're, they're like, 
gaining all of that blood on them. They're never being washed clean. Um, and it also explains Angie saying, I don't want to be here anymore because um, she's sick of being in this time loop of death and pain. Number two, we know for sure that Robbie kills them all. And I think it's to try to stop them from dying endlessly in this loop. And here's the part of that that's theory. So my theory is that that monster eats the three, but Robbie escapes it that first time. Um, and I think that's evidenced by Robbie running away, Robbie surviving in that crevice. You know, he abandons Angie in favor of running off. And that's why he keeps apologizing throughout the film is he left his friends behind. He, he knows what he did then was wrong, even though it really wasn't. He still feels that survival, survivor's guilt. And it's also why he's alone. Um, him killing everyone is him trying to save everyone from this never-ending nightmare, but they're afraid of him because of it. Um, they, they keep running away from him. You know, they don't want to be near him. Because obviously they don't know what his intentions are. You know, your friend snaps and starts killing you in the desert. And to them, that probably is what it seemed like during the time loops. So I also think this is, of course, theory. And I could be totally wrong, but I think those, so those parasite intestine looking things react specifically to Robbie. And I think that they're either his friends or maybe they're manifestations of those monsters. And either way, it makes sense that they run from Robbie because Robbie in one leap kills his friends before the monsters do. And I think in another leap, he kills the monsters themselves um, because he's he's constantly in this loop. So clearly something isn't working like he's failing somewhere along the line and he doesn't know where. Um, and in his madness, he does his best to rectify his mistake of not helping his friends. So he does the only thing a powerless guy can do and ends them. But I don't think that ends the cycle necessarily. At the end, Robbie is stretching his hand toward the sky. He's either crying out to God again, asking for forgiveness, begging for death, or, as we've previously seen, he's reaching toward the opening in the sky. So I can't tell if he's going back again or if this is, like, for real the end. That said, I still don't know why this is happening to them. You know, the, the solar eclipse seems to see, is, like, my best theory, honestly. Even though it wasn't the exact time, it doesn't exactly line up, you know, Government testing doesn't really make sense for a time loop, especially it seems like it's nuclear government testing. But then again, like in something like the back rooms, you've got, you know, people wearing gas masks just in case. So that could be a thing, too. They know that this is like a tear here and the government has been doing testing with it and disappearing or whatever. Um, I, I think this could be a natural tear in reality, too, that they just happen to stumble upon, sort of like a uh, Bermuda Triangle thing, but out in the Mojave Desert. Um, but who knows? Who knows in the end? I mean, honestly, I'm not even sure if Robbie knows. I don't think he's got a set, like, this is the definitive truth. Um, a lot of the interviews I read, he's like, yeah, I was just kind of going off instinct. You know, what felt right, what felt scary, what felt real. Um, and I, th I, I think he did an amazing job with it. And I think that just going off of that, not necessarily worrying about answers was definitely the way to go for a movie like this. Um, like with Skin of a Rink, it, it, it like, it, it's like, it doesn't need answers. It's trying to be scary. And I think it is scary. Like if you think about, like I said, just even going out and camping in the desert, there's so much that could go wrong. And then if this is specifically what goes wrong, like, you're fucked. Like, you can't fight against a time loop. Like, you accidentally fell into a terror reality. Like, yeah, you, you, you were fucked. Or maybe you fell into the first circle of hell or something. You're fucked. Like, there's nothing you can do in this situation. Like, like I said, I don't even know if Robbie killing him, his friends and himself is even, like, I don't think that it works. Like, I don't even think that works because there's still a version of you somewhere out there that is still alive and still in this reality. And I think that's kind of like what the tree and the light tunnel thing or the light spectrum, the light, like the star constant, like the constellation lights. I don't know what to, how to describe them. You just have to watch it. But I think that's kind of what they illustrate is like, 
there's, yeah, there's like the trunk, but there's all these offshoots of different things that could possibly happen. And so they've lived through all these different possibilities and they keep continuing, continuing to live through them. So there's always a version of themselves that's living in that hell. And I think in this Terran reality or in this, you know, solar eclipse phenomena or in this government experiment facility fuckery that they've accidentally stumbled upon or stumbled into, you know, I think they, not only are they in those different realities, but they're experiencing them like all at once. And I think that's part of the madness of it. And I think that's one of the reasons why Robbie goes insane is because he's constantly alone in living this hell. And I think they all kind of are, but you don't like, you, you just don't get the sense that like Scott, I think he is in this hell reality the shortest amount of time like it seems like his death is quick it's fast he's the first one that Robbie says bye to the second one is Angie and then lastly is Michelle and then Robbie offs himself um and I don't know if that's symbolic of anything or not I don't know um it's fun to theorize and it's fun to think about and I will probably continue to think about it my theories will probably get revised as I continue to think about it um, I would love for film theory to do a, a theory on it because I just, I just want to know what he, what other people think. Um, and I'd love to know what you think as well. So if you've got a theory that didn't get put in, like that I haven't covered, or if you've got your own theory, or you think my theory is bogus and you've got good reasons why, please let me know because like I said, this movie, you could just think it to death. And that's something that I personally like. I find it exciting. Um, I think this movie is great. If you're someone who doesn't mind a non-linear storyline, who doesn't mind a little bit of madness in your movie, um, I definitely recommend it because it is phenomenal. The acting's phenomenal. The dialogue is a lot of fun. Um, the setting is terrifying. Um, and then the horror itself is really visceral and real, especially for just a $15,000 budget. They did an amazing job. Like I said, I would really, really love for Robbie Banfitch to get a bigger budget because that would be absolutely incredible. Like, I, I just, if this is what he can do with $15,000, I can't even imagine what he could do with like a million dollar budget. That would be fucking awesome. So, um, go check this one out. If you've made it this far in the video, you definitely got to check it out. Um, I, I will probably watch it again within the next week to see if I missed anything because I, every time I watch, I feel like I find another detail that I didn't know before. Um, so it's just, it's just got a lot of rewatch value to it, but that's it from me. Uh, thanks for listening. Hopefully you go check this one out because, you know, amazing film by an, uh, you know, a lesser known director, one that's not in the big production companies. Um, I like supporting stuff like that, and especially when it's this good, especially when it's this good. Um, so thanks for listening. Uh, stay safe out there. Don't go camping in the desert, especially not without a gun. Uh, and as always, beware the moon. Beware the moon.